Okay, so like today, he is quite simply one of the best known people, programmers and executives in our business. And listen to this. I, I, I think it may be said that he's done it all and he's nowhere near done. Of course, he spent more than 30 years in television, film, and radio. His award-winning radio career has included, listen to this, more than 15 years leading radio programming the number of major market stations, including Cumulus Stations, WNNX FM, and WWWQ Atlanta, and also the Wolf in Dallas. A lot of this is well-known, right? But today's guest has done so many things you might not expect. This includes being essentially in charge of movie making and making some really interesting and great movies. We're going to talk about that. Of course, you're probably aware that our guest today is one of the biggest. He's got one of the biggest jobs in radio. And we're going to talk about that and what that's like and what it means to him. This does sound exactly like the kind of person we'd like to talk to on our podcast. Welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast on Apple, Audible, Spotify, almost anywhere you get your podcast. Now, listen up. Our goal is always the same, to encourage radio pros at all levels. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you know that we drop a fresh weekly episode every single Sunday featuring a radio pro working right now in radio. We do this every Sunday to enjoy our podcast. This is all you need. All you have to have is an interest in others, be open to encouragement, advice, connections, tools, get ahead, and ways to make your radio career more profitable and successful. Each week, we have an opportunity to see a snapshot of an individual in our business. It allows us to see radio from a different perspective, a different career arc, and hear how they are embracing radio right now. My name is Lloyd Ford. I am with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works, or what we call ourselves, RPC. We work on both sides of the ball, so to speak. Our practice literally helps radio generate higher ratings and higher revenue. It's just this simple. When we go to work for a client and they follow our collaborative process and strategy, their revenue and profit margin rises. Ideas are the new technology. Where do your ideas come from? Are your local radio stations programmed and positioned to collect the most money in your local radio market today? Do you need better sales recruitment strategy? We can help you. Schedule a free meetup via email. It's easy. First consultation is free. F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. Listen, we're just about a minute, maybe even less, from talking with Brian Phillips. He's the chief content officer of Cumulus Media based out of Nashville, Tennessee. And a big thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which we make available minutes after we record the live interview so that, you know, people usually come in contact with it through our social media first. And then they discover we've got 135 plus episodes and they go get those. And let's thank uh, JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them as well. See what you can get for free from our team in our free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com, including our encouraging sales success series and our more than live and local series. And now let's see what we can learn from this week's guest. Brian, welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. How are you, sir? I'm great. Thank you, Lloyd. I'm so excited to have you here. I got to start here. 
where are you originally from? And can you tell us about your first experience that you can remember as a radio listener, not in radio, but listening? I'm from South uh, South Florida, Boca Raton, which is perfectly located between, I guess, West Palm and, and Fort Lauderdale, Miami. So mm-hmm. I grew up, I, I have a memory, my first uh my first conscious memory of, uh, you know, of, of the, that's strictly about the radio. Because I, I had a little AM radio. As a, as a child, I had a little AM radio mounted on the handlebars of my bike. And it, it was a, a, it was AM only. And, mm-hmm. um, and I was a loyal fan at, nine years old of uh, WQAM in Miami, Q56. And I listened mm-hmm. to it everywhere I went. I rode my bike miles and miles every day, which you were good at that time in Boca Raton. It was part of part of life. And um, one day some kids cornered me, friends, neighbors, cornered me in my driveway and said, why... Why are you listening to Q56? Interesting. Probably, this is, would have been in an era where like Carly Simon's You're So Vain was in, you know, was in the you know, super hot rotations. And that gives you some idea of my, 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 uh, of exactly how old I am. But, <laughs> but they, they said, you, you know, you've got to give that up, you know, which, which, oh. You've got to give up. You've got to give up listening to that. No one listens to Q56 anymore. Um, everyone listens to the why. It's about the why. Why 100? I said, how how can a radio station be a why? All radio stations, and I thought began, all broadcasting stations began with a W. And they said, right. no, no, this is why 100. And it's on FM. It's a different kind. It's a it's a it's a, a it's a revolutionary kind of entertainment, and it's for us. Mm-hmm. You know, based paraphrasing what they said, and it, you know, it was it was that's my first memory of and 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 I did I you know I I faithfully did as all children and, and teens and and ultimately uh, young adults did in South Florida. I faithfully tuned um, to Y one hundred. And uh, that would be my, my earliest experience. And it changed what's interesting. my perception of everything. Yeah, here's what's interesting about that. You've got a couple of different passions. First, you latched on to the AM. And then these people are talking to you with great passion about a movement that's happening on Y100. So that had to be um, instructive for you. Yeah. Now, now look, yeah. I don't know if people know this about you maybe everybody knows this about you i don't know but i learned when you were 15 did you did you write for a music magazine brian yeah i did i i my i come from a family of writers and and to whom uh the idea of me ever getting into broadcasting or doing anything in the music business or even um you know, he, he, certainly in in television or uh, or movies, was unimaginable because they all came from print. Uh, each of my parents were newspaper people, and um, 
my dad had worked for big dailies and, and, uh, and they, they later owned a, a, a group of newspapers and, and, uh, my brother was a writer who, um, had achieved, um, quite a bit by the time, uh, he's, a, 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 he's older than me. And, and he, a, it, it looked like our, our family was filled with writers and but the, but also music lovers, but people who didn't really have um, people who didn't have a strong, you know, I think, the you know, each of my parents, were they still alive, would it would admit that they could never have conceived of what, you know, what became of my career. It's just they're, they're you know, very they were 20th century print people. So. Yeah, and, and what you've done is so different. It's like you're walking a creative path that's different and frankly, a business path that's different. And when you talk about your brother, I mean, man, I looked at his Wikipedia page, <laughs> an accomplished guy. He's done pretty well. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 one of the his name is Peter Egan, and he's um, one of the I think, you know, I can safely say he's one of the more revered uh writers in the world about and and in uh, especially in uh the field of uh travel and automotive writing and he also flies and uh, he was a editor at uh, simultaneously i think he was an editor contributor to uh cycle world uh flying and a, and a senior editor at road and track magazine so he got that gene, which I did not. <laughs> and you I'm don't not, you don't get those jobs without being pretty good. Did you look up to him as a brother? Did you go, wow? Yeah, he he. It, I mean, and you know, although those, you know, in my mind, the the writing contributions um, are are uh, hugely important to you know the coming from a culture where everybody read everything, mm-hmm. and, and we actually, we you know, my family had sort of a disdain for TV that we were made to keep the TV in the basement. And I think my dad watched Ed Sullivan maybe on Sunday nights and that we were allowed that, but it was, it was, it was, a, it was a, a, a background that of, of, of all the things that my brother gave me, um, writing is, is, you know, an understanding of, of the importance of writing and, and good writing and, and also the importance of reading everything. Um, the, the the greater gift in retrospect would be that he he turned me on to music. And so and that is and that has a sort of a weird backstory to it as well. When he was stationed in Vietnam, um, he was buying at the PX in Phan Rang. Uh, where he was stationed in uh, South Vietnam, he was he was he was buying with his soldier's paycheck at 19 years old. He was buying all of the great American rock and roll and blues records of that era: Muddy Waters and Rolling Stones. Uh, got uh, the Rolling Stones live album, Get Your Yaya's Out and Sgt. Pepper and things like that and sending them home so they would be waiting for him in the U.S. when he returned. Unfortunately, I got to those boxes first and tore them open and listened to all that music. When And, and he, he was, he had very good taste and 
um, very discerning taste of, you know, as, uh, you know, I don't know. It was, it was, it was, it was a, um, it was a way to, have, to be, to hear Bob Dylan when you were, uh, seven, eight, nine years old, that probably a yeah. lot of children were exposed to. Well, so, look, yeah. I think, I think that's what big brothers are for, right? To give you like, Oh yeah. Kind of tune into the music thing. Listen, and, we're yeah. going to talk about this a lot, but a lot of people of course know about some of your really big successes. I'm talking about major market programming and, and beyond this, frankly, but can you give us just a, kind of a, just a brief background for those who don't maybe know about your history in radio before those big jobs. Cause I, I don't want people to think, Oh, well, you know, Brian's just always had these big jobs. No, I, I would say that the, and I, I don't want to uh, bore everybody with a, you know, the rundown of, of all the, the, the stops, but I would say that the, the, the key, cause we all have them and I have them in my background as well. Mm-hmm. I was, and I was simultaneously um, a music writer and um, and uh, working on the radio, but primarily on the west coast of Florida. I would say that the most interest, the the biggest break that I got was when I was on WKXY in Sarasota, Bradenton. Um, a competitor, a, f- a friend, and a competitor, uh, a guy named Dave Allison, sent an air check of me on WKXY to Golf 104, to Ron Parker at Golf 104 in Tallahassee, which interestingly now is a cumulus station, as is uh, the station I went to after Golf 104, 95SX in Charleston. But mm-hmm. he, he, but I had a, uh, you know, I had the good fortune. It just, this is, this is about the randomness of, of building a reputation in the market and becoming somebody that your competitors want to get rid of and and why at that moment i had the good fortune to have um you know a a, a guy send a tape to parker parker left a couple of months uh, i'd say half a year later to go work at 93q with john lander who's become a lifelong friend as well and and um, that left me in the pd job at golf 104. uh and then from was on to charleston and then wmms in cleveland uh as program director it's not uh, a small job oh it was a yeah it was a bear yeah. of a job yeah it yeah was, that's not, that's <laughs> no small job there listen you're you're someone who's had great success in our business and you've been and i don't use this word lightly you've been transformational and i think that's rare but let's go way back i want to i just this is our last conversation about jobs before the big jobs okay but at the the time of your first radio jobs, did you want, did you have a desire to be a great programmer at that time? No, no. I wanted to be around music. At, at, in, in the, I, I intuitively knew as much about what I wanted to do as any 15 or 16 year old does. You know, mm. I mean, it, I, I, I didn't know what it, I wouldn't have known. To a- answer your question honestly, Lord, I wouldn't have known what it was to be a great programmer. I, I and I couldn't have. Uh, and I got my. I think I'm the youngest guy in Florida, in the state of Florida, and in my old Miami FCC office ever to get my first class license in a day when you had to. They said, "Yeah, you're you're the youngest one we've ever 
uh, given a license to, um, I think I was, uh, would have been when I was 15. And that was, that's yeah. In radio, that's kind of like being a young fighter pilot. Well, it's, it's also, yeah. People people should know that that math is, is is not my strong suit and and nor all the technical requirements of what, the government used to require you to do to be on the radio. Anybody who remembers how hard it was to get a, a first-class broadcast license knows what I suffered through. But I got that, which 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 was essentially my ticket to being able to make tapes and send tapes out to small stations. And I couldn't have known about programming until I uh, was able to the you know the great thing about the Sarasota Bradenton job that I mentioned before at WKXY is it put me in and also I have as I mentioned great childhood memories of the geniuses at Y100 in the seventies in uh, South Florida, um, Bill Tanner and Robert Walker and and the whole crew there. So I had great I had a, I knew what a good radio station sounded like. But I didn't know and I didn't I couldn't have imagined that I'd ever wanted to take on the task of creating my own until the the luck of landing in Sarasota Bradenton puts me in the pattern of Scott Shannon's Q105 in Tampa and and it's in its golden era. And Scott, you know, befriended me then. it called me on the traded calls on the, on the KXY. <laughs> there was a back and forth between my you little know, station. I, yeah. And- I don't think people know that Scott Shannon is one of those guys that kind of has this encyclopedia knowledge of different radio stations and markets. And Oh, he's and such he, a good teacher. Yeah. He's sometimes apt to call people that he doesn't know and talk about their radio station. And it's yes. like, wow. He's so, you know, and and I I just talked to him last week and he's still that, he's still the generous, I mean, time spent with him, talk about an encourager, you know, time yeah. spent with him is, is, um, you know, always lights me up and it, it did when I was 16 and it does now. And yeah. so um, that would be, that's sort of the, the, and if you, I, 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 for anybody who knows the story of the wolf in Dallas, um, whereas 99X in, in Atlanta, which came before Wolf, is a you know completely different sort of almost a free form Atlanta take on alternative in the 90s. Um, the wolf in Dallas, in my perception and in, in its creation and in, in the 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 uh sort of the thematic the themes that run through the original wolf from mm-hmm. i guess 1998 it's are really all borrowed from q105 and scott shannon and, and that staff and um and and uh you know I was, and that's a little I, surprising based on how unique the wolf in dallas was well, I just wanted to have a station that was, I mean, it, at the root of it, and we should all, I think you know, there's something, to, there's, you know, I think that, that Q105 transcended top 40. It was so good that it, it, it was, it was, it was so good at doing everything that, that if you could, 
that when you set a goal for the wolf, when we were creating the wolf, um, the, you know, a, a really good North Star uh, is to say, let's make this so big that it's like the Q, that it is to Dallas Fort Worth as Q105 was to Tampa St. Petersburg. Absolutely. And if we can achieve that, we'll, you know, we'll really have, have uh, we'll, we'll have made something special. Here's what I love about this conversation. I mean, right there, when you said the le- when you said the numbers 1998, this tells you that it is possible to use process and to use creativity and to create really unique, special brands in a market. Let's talk about programming a little bit. And I'm going to go back. Uh, Tell us about KDWB in Minneapolis and your three years there, right quick, because we do have oh. a list to kind of go through. We're going to no, yeah, highlights. God, God, yeah, God forbid we talk about all of them. It, it's, it's, but right. KDWB was really special, and I still love. We have two great um, rock stations in Minneapolis at Cumulus and in, in, in the Twin Cities, um, KQRS and KXXR, and um, you know I, I sort of in my role at Cumulus sort of dote on that market still, because I had such a great time in my era at KDWB because we were allowed to change. I was allowed to, to do a total makeover of the station. This would have been 1987, 19, maybe 1988 um, to do a complete makeover of what we now know as the modern, I think they're still using the the logo that we, you know, the version of the logo that we used then. Uh, the what we know as the modern KDWB, but it was such a great time to be in the Twin Cities as a music person and to build a, a music station specific to the Twin Cities because Prince was at the peak of his powers, oh, yeah. and everybody in the world wanted to record in Minneapolis. Janet Jackson and Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, you know, there, 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 there were there were studios working, you know, twenty four seven Paisley Park and and uh, Jimmy and Terry's studio. Everybody wanted to come to Minneapolis and get some of that Prince rub off, mm. uh, some of that that defined pop in the eighties. And yeah, as he a was result, doing some of that too. By the way, he was rubbing back then, and and it, uh, he, he, it, well, he certainly was. And, you know, and it, he, it's he, so interesting. Yeah, it's so interesting that you hear stories about the 700 or so tracks that are fully produced that we haven't heard yet. You know, that there were artists that came and did stuff with him and then he just shelved it. Yeah. And he all he had a keen he, he was very in in the 80s, uh, in that period, the period that I was at KDWV, Prince had a um Fans of, of of people who are interested in in uh, you know how radio stations are processed will probably be surprised at this story. Prince used to have uh, Prince would call KDWB and ask to have uh, tape played at three o'clock in the morning, um, and the tape would arrive in a fifteen IPS box. Uh, if anybody remembers what those are and how they they looked in a plain <laughs> you know plain plain white on un- unmarked wrapper and Prince wanted to hear 
the uh he wanted to hear what he knew that radio did something yeah to to the sonic quality of what he made and he knew that kdwb which probably had pretty aggressive processing for top 40 in 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 that era he he wanted a baseline he wanted to know what was going to happen and um and he, so, you know, I would, I would get up in the middle of the night and, and take the tape in and play it in the middle of the three o'clock in the morning. Thank God there was no, there was, you know, we, we weren't monitored uh, heavily by any uh, national service because they would have wondered what it was. We would have wondered what that rare Prince track was in the middle of the night. They would have heard a, a Prince hit very early, actually. Brian, um, that's, that kind of stuff is so cool. Did you have a relationship with Prince? Well, as much as anybody could. I mean, they, they would, you know, you'd be handed a phone by, by uh, a manager um and he went through a few managers in my my time, but it, it was he did. You, you get you you get a uh, you get a call. Is, is, you know they, we we need you to play, um, we need you you to play this at, you know, in the middle of the night. Prince wants to hear it on KDWB, which was you know which felt like which which was exciting. You know, of but course. I, but what I mean, I, I couldn't wait to get to the. I couldn't wait for the tape to show up, and obviously confidentiality was really important it was important that i not send it around uh to, to all my friends but it but um he, he, the relationship with prince was everybody everybody he was he was i th- i think sh- many people share this uh, uh this sort of aloof distant um oh, yeah. he, not not a, you know he wasn't afraid to ask us to play the song he would i would Call him afterward and say, um, "Well, that that I thought that sounded great." I would get him, you know, after it, right after it played. Wow! And it, you know, it probably happened on three occasions, Lloyd. And each time, the most you could hope for was just to have it to have him put on the phone by the manager, and he'd yeah. say, "Thank you." And, and uh, you know that was anytime you saw Prince in Minneapolis, you hey, Prince, the you know the the tour, um, the new the new album, the new single, the promotion you did with us, whatever anything was is you know the most you could get out of him, he'd pop out of he he. The good news is his studios were always open, so every artist you could you could get into to Paisley and. You know, there were a lot of parties and great late night receptions there that always went all night. Yeah. They were part of the music scene in the Twin Cities. But yeah, he was he he was not particularly approachable and uh-huh. everybody around, but he had geniuses around him. You know, you go to a party and, and Miles Davis would be there with um George Clinton and you know, Taylor Dane. It was always like this. I used to say there was like there's like the Star Wars cantina when you went to a Prince party. You never knew who was going to be there, but there'd be all these people coming out of the shadows that that uh, <laughs> that were a mix of 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 greats from the current and and past. And, and it's had, almost that, that place was magnetic. Yeah, it's almost impossible to to explain his cult of personality. But for you to to have that, I mean, here's what I've learned. You've talked to Prince about 13 times more than I have, having had three <laughs> conversations with him. And number two, no one can now appear on this podcast and tell me that they've had an exclusive 
that's cooler than what you just told us about, Brian. So listen, how did people start calling you BP? Where did that come from? I just uh, convenience. Really? <laughs> yeah. Just that's the way I signed off, you know, for, for convenience sake. I, I have no idea. Didn't ask okay. for it. Just yeah. Do you like it? Don't mind it. Know who they're talking okay. to. <laughs> okay. Got it. All right. Listen. You became the head of programming for Susquehanna Radio in 1992. You know, because you and I got to talk a little bit uh, earlier, how much respect I have for that company. This is a very significant thing because I know the standards that company had. Uh, you were in this job all the way until 2001. And in a minute, we're going to talk about um, what happened to take you out of that job. But before we do... You made powerful differences at 99X, the Wolf in Dallas, Q100 in Atlanta. Can you just for a minute talk to us and share, in your opinion, what elements may have been the key for transformation in these important properties and the lives of those properties? Oh, boy, that's that's a, a far ranging question. I'll try to answer it simply. I apologize I think so much, but but just having you on. I gotta ask that question. Well, it, it, I, I think, I, I think it comes down that, that all I'm good. That if if there's one, th and there may only be one or two things that I that I'm you know that, that I specialize in, and uh, and um, and I, I think I have a fair amount of stubborn intuition that um, that I, that was I would say that that was imposed on 99x. I was surrounded by brilliant people, um, Leslie Fram and Sean Demery and and uh, uh, Steve Craig, who's the current program director of the very successful Reborn 99x. And um, I think that Susquehanna allowed us with 99x to build sort of. You know, I don't want to say because we did. I guess there was, we were we were certainly always we we were not unconscious or unaware of what was of what was researching, what was selling. We had very good research. We had state of the art research, and we had um, we certainly had. Uh, I, you know, I like to think I worked with with sonar pings and sort of. I'm always putting sonar out there, asking people. What if? What about this? What about this song? And we, you know, and 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 so what I have is is a combination of intuition crossed with I try to really immerse myself in the markets and, and in, in the case of Atlanta, and then more even more so with Dallas Fort Worth, which was right. you know which is its own country, um, or within its own country called Texas. I, I think that the first step is getting a sense of what separates the market, the city from every other place and how people, and more than that, how people who live in the place view themselves. How do they perceive themselves? What do they think? They think they're smarter. They think they're, they're, um, do do people in Atlanta, did people in Atlanta in the 90s think they were the most special people in the South? Absolutely. Mm, they thought they were the best educated and the, the most, you know, 
the quickest to catch on and you know, to to new trends and the most um the the you know the first to embrace a new trend and from that came 99x and similarly uh, so, so i think being able to 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 go in and learn all you can about a market go to shows um i think i learned so much about texas uh by going to clubs you know mm. and 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 watching what i mean it's the oldest story in the book about what makes a hit radio station but i i i watched i went to to billy bobs and and um cowboys red river and cowboys arlington and watched you know sort of uh watched young texans and what they were dancing to what got them out on the on the floor and what what and and sort of tailored a radio station to that you know to to that audience so i think it's it's i hope people still do that I'm not, I don't gravitate toward, I don't build anything from paper. I don't, I don't, we, you know, we do, God knows we do a, a load of market studies and, um, you know, we, we, we do deep dive research to figure out what's missing with a market or what's wrong with a station, but I, I've never built anything from I don't think, I hope I haven't, from just um from from instructions that were driven strictly by research. It's all been intuition and honestly, and it's you know, there's probably now I'm I'm lucky to have worked for Susquehanna. I'm lucky to to have the same advantage now, now at Cumulus. I'm allowed to use that intuition and um and and have a you know, and with luck, Lloyd, you maintain a high enough batting average with your new ideas right. and your untried ideas. That you're allowed to keep on making things, and and that right. you know that same was true in my television life. If you could, well, well, no, wait, wait. Before we get there, I want to say this because we're about to leave this area and go into some other things. I want to be clear because this is what I think, Brian. I think that one of the nucleus ingredients of what you might be really skilled at is reflecting a feeling about the market to itself from the radio station which is which is exactly the the art of programming it is it is yes. it's the art of of understanding and it's also it's it's you know from from early childhood um it's recognizing that as you know from the the place we began y100 and and later q105 in florida that um that a radio station and it everything that it did was tailored specifically to, to you y100 was about south florida top down fun in the sun and you know with a little bit of a of of a, a cool stoner aspect to it which we as teenagers you know found that's important yeah it, it is and it and it was it was where where did the dis the the talent of the time um spoke directly to, to me and and yeah. to, to the audience particularly on that station 
it wasn't it wasn't a you know they weren't boss jock djs they sound like real people and and therein lies their you know enormous success for years and years and years and um and and i think that um yeah you you the the, the reflecting you know krbe our station in houston does a brilliant job people talk about live and local is it important isn't it important our biggest franchises our Minneapolis stations, our Chicago stations, our KRBE in Houston, um, our Dallas stations, all the Atlanta stations are all built on the premise of the specificity of their location and the and the unique nature of their audience. And so you'll never it's you know, these are things that that are simply ingrained in the people who live in these places. You know, Chicagoans have really strong tastes. And, and really and, strong feelings about being Chicagoans, right? And yes, and they and they have a lot of they have a legacy, uh, uh, great radio station listening in that market. So they know right. they have high expectations for radio, as do people in Minneapolis and many other markets we could talk about. But you know, I, I think it's it's right. You 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 want to you want your product, the 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 work that you make uh to reflect the specialness and the quirkiness um and and the essential you you want to sort of you 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 want you want to let the most informed native listener know that you understand them and that you you know their neighborhood and you know how they grew up probably and you know Cleveland was you know it was that that kind of experience for me it was like a complete eye opener it was just you know the uh, a northern industrial you know uh, uh city that, that that faced a lot of challenges but had a great yeah. rock station you know it's it's like that's probably if if i if i'm being honest even though I don't think I'm my career is not really defined by by very much by WMMS that was there a, a, a year and a half um but it taught me a world uh taught me everything about how a, a station can be custom built to fit a specific audience that exists nowhere else and yeah, and you can I, love listen, or hate the buzzard, but MMS belonged nowhere but Cleveland. That's right. And and listen, I want to bring this up because you you sort of said it, but I don't want us to leave this area without saying, you know, one of my fears, if you will, about radio is the loss of expectation. Expectation, what listeners expect from you, if that expectation is high. And if if your people are creating that expectation that you can be expected, that great things are going to happen, I think those radio stations, those radio markets are in good in a good situation where we're losing expectation, where things are not happening. I think that's trouble. Do you agree? Well, yes, of course. I mean, it, it is. Um, we've we've. Uh, the, the 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 you know all the stations we've spoken of have some special essence that um i don't know can it be replicated 
on even the smallest station there was a you know or 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 in in smaller and medium markets i don't know if if um if the businesses are 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 all built that way i do know we have spectacular brands long lived brands in in medium to smaller markets that um yes. that do very well for us so it's not a big market thing it's just that it's it's about um i think your word is right it's about caring and those people are still out there in my experience there are people who care about delivering the uh upon that expectation that higher expectation communicating at a at a uh you know at a higher local level and and, and, and look, we don't just like mood yeah. you know elevating mood uh in in a local audience making them feel better about whatever's going on where they live regardless of where it is brian we don't just reflect to these people that are our listeners they reflect to us so if our expectation of ourselves is low eh, what do you think is going to happen so listen this is really, I'm, I'm going to slip all these hard questions in on you. So I hope you're ready. How challenging. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Look, we're, okay. we're almost in 2024. How challenging is it to find the right morning shows for individual situations today? Oh, I don't know. I mean, we, we some, uh, the answer to that question would be somehow, and especially with, you know, and I say this having now been at Cumulus four years. Which is, I you know, had you asked me this in 2019, it, it I, I don't know if, if I would have been as confident with my answer, but I think I'm surrounded in my job with a, a bunch of programming VPs and vice presidents of programming operations, um, guys like Doug Hammond and and Bruce Gilbert, John Dimmick, who's a senior VPPO. Oh, yeah. I've got, I have. I have I feel like we have when we have great leaders of our formats who are um who who contribute hugely to the company's knowledge of of the overall American marketplace. So we're constantly being fed tips about what's you know aside from the people who contact us directly we're it's you know it's it's always it's always achievable. Um, yes. You know, we're, we have some of the best morning shows in, in America. You know those. Um, oh, yeah. We, we, we have uh, and some of the longest running great morning shows in America. And. Um, uh, well, and you've recruited some good ones, too. I'm going to put that out because I'm I see it and hear it. Well, yeah, and it, because it's my favorite thing to do because it's casting. <laughs> And casting is. is the essence of, of, you know, it's about every decision you make in television. It's about every decision. It, it informs whether any movie you make is successful or not. And, and it, it's a, and, and uh, I would say that I'm probably more equipped now. And also, again, I'm surrounded by people. I'm just, I've had the good fortune to constantly be surrounded by people with great instincts great instincts about what kind of human beings we want to work with and, and people who will make great combinations of, um, you know, for, for, for uh, it'd be lightning in a bottle when they hit the air. And, you know, that's, it's, it's not, it's, it's my favorite part of the job. So I think 
If you ask me, how is it hard? It's not hard compared to some of the other parts of the job. It's actually the most rewarding. You know, it's very rewarding to, um, you know, to, to, uh, talent is amazing. Yes, it it is. Talent is, is. talent is the, um, you know, t- to use the, uh, 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 the the old expression, t- talent is the straw that stirs the drink uh, of radio. I mean, really, and of, of all entertainment, of course. We want to thank our special guest today, Brian Phillips, Chief Content Officer of Cumulus Media. This episode is actually part one of our time with Brian Phillips, and we will present a part two of this interview tomorrow on this podcast. So make sure that you make plans to listen to part two dropping tomorrow on this very podcast. A very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast and making our edits from time to time. Uh, And of course, we're going to make this available, this interview moments after we do the interview itself. Uh, JustJoeProductions.com creates our audio footprint and distributes our podcast. We're so grateful about that as well. We say this all the time on our podcast, and I say it to clients regularly. Once you have a radio station, you can get anything else you want. Please, if you want to know more about that, call me. I'd be glad to share that with you. It is my passion. If you don't remember anything from today, please keep this in mind. Be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of the Radio Rally with the Encouragers. Now go make it a great week in radio.